So as Newt mentioned, today is the 28th of August, in case you didn't realise, um, and it's St Augustine's Day, which is a super exciting day for us to celebrate, a day where we celebrate St Augustine of Hippo, the saint uh, whom we're named after as a church. And so this morning I want to tell St Augustine's story in brief outline as part of our series on listening to God. And we're going to be exploring his story through this lens of listening to God. With a guy like St. Saint Augustine, um, Saint Augustine um, it's pretty hard to know where to start. Um, you know, he is arguably the most influential Christian theologian in history. His thoughts have permeated books and sermons for generations of pastors and scholars. St. Augustine's literary works are prolific. He's written more than pretty much every other ancient writer. 100 books, 300 letters, 500 sermons. He's one of the deepest and most profound Christian thinkers in the tradition. And yet, at the same time, he was also a bit of a naughty boy. <laughs> he was um, actually a total scoundrel. And because of his fondness for partying, he's become the patron saint of brewers. So uh, if you're the craft beer type, you can raise a glass to St. Augustine this evening. Um, but I hope to do a bit more than encourage you to raise a toast. Um, what I want to do is tell the story of St. Augustine in three parts, each part giving us some insight on who uh, Augustine is, a little bit about that, but mostly about how he listened to God. So um, just to give you a heads up on what we're going to do, we're going to move in three parts. First, we're going to look at Augustine's early life, his youth, his university days, and seeing God speak in the everyday then we're going to hear about Augustine's aha moment, what's been called his conversion story, and how God invites Augustine into relationship. And then in part three, we're going to look at the transformation in Augustine's life, his call to mission, to work with God in the renewal of all things. So I'm going to draw mostly on Augustine's writings from the Confessions, uh, the story he wrote about his life, reflecting on his experience of hearing God and responding. So, strap yourselves in. That's where we're going this morning. Sound good? All right, great. So, um, who's Augustine? Well, he was born in North Africa. Um, here's the Roman Empire at the time. And if we zoom in, um, here he is in this spot here uh, in what is now Algeria in the year 354 AD. He was born into the waning Roman Empire with the threat of barbarians on the borders and this ever-increasing inequality between the rich elite and the poor. And so Augustine was born into turbulent times, times of change, times of upheaval. Augustine was born into a family that could be described by the standards of the day as reasonably well off, um, but his father, Patricius, and his mother, Monica, had to uh, kind of get together every penny they had and rely on a generous patron to give Augustine the education they wanted for him. The family had great ambition and plans for Augustine, who even as a child showed a particular brilliance and brightness that kind of outshone his peers. Beyond the normal favoritism you have for your child where you think they're smarter than everyone else's child, you know. Um, he, was, he was brilliant. And so um, Augustine's father, Patricius, was devoted to the pagan gods of Rome, but his mother, Monica, was a devout Christian who throughout Augustine's life is this really important character. And she prayed for Augustine constantly. She was really influential on his religious outlook. And so Augustine grows up in this family of blended religious ideas, 
the gods of Rome and Jesus at his table. And he's given this top-notch education. And at about the age of 16, Augustine's parents send him out of town to go to Carthage, which is the big city in the region. The equivalent of university is where he went uh, to study grammar and rhetoric. And I love how Augustine describes his experience of going to Carthage. As he enters the city, he says this, To Carthage I came, where they sang all around me in my ears a cauldron of unholy loves. How good is that? Just a picture. A cauldron of unholy loves. You can now kind of insert that phrase into your life wherever you wish, I guess. Um, well, I remember first turning up to Canterbury University <laughs> oh, yeah. on orientation week, walking into the foundry bar onto campus, and it seems to me not much had changed. There was a cauldron of unholy loves, and there were even togas being worn. Um, but anyway, so um, St. Augustine goes to Carthage. He discovers this cauldron of desire, these things to enjoy. What he describes as unholy loves. And we'll make sense of that phrase in a moment. We'll come back to it. But he discovers the theater. He discovers partying. Remember, patron saint of brewers. Um, he makes friends. And he discovers, actually, that he's even far smarter than he thought he was, or his parents thought he was. And he becomes proud of his abilities in logic and rhetoric. Um, Augustine talks at length also about his lust and he'll become inf infamous for some of his ideas about sex. I'm not going to go down that road this morning. That's another whole topic. Um, but yeah, that's part of his life too. Um, Augustine makes many friends, and he actually gets drawn into these circles of intellectual debate and these kind of circles of power. Intellectually, Augustine's drawn into this movement called Manichaeism, this ancient religion that offered salvation through special knowledge of spiritual truths. I could go down a rabbit hole in explaining that, um, but I think its appeal for Augustine probably lay in its appeal to the intellect, its invitation to pursue knowledge and illumination. Augustine was always searching for meaning, for ultimate reality, for depth. And so, um, you get the sense of the story so far. Here you've got Augustine, this young man, he's in this big city, he's a brilliant young student, and he's discovering all that the world has to offer, and he's loving it. And later in his life, Augustine will recognize, actually, what he was doing here is he was looking for God. To come back to that phrase, unholy loves, what Augustine's talking about here is this. He's not so much saying all these things he's experiencing are bad. Friendship, sex, enjoying good wine and food, intellectual life, a vibrant city, these are all things that... Augustine describes uh, as unholy in the sense that they were out of order, not that they weren't good. And so one of Augustine's big ideas that he developed was this idea of disordered loves, this idea that our hearts are ultimately made for love and to find this deepest expression of love in relationship with our creator, in relationship with God. This idea of ordered loves recognizes this and places everything in its context, in its order. Augustine can see that we actually make ultimate things out of temporary things, that we can invest all of our love into things that will ultimately not satisfy us, but rather disappoint. And so this idea is really crucial to Augustine's experience. He was looking for love, he was looking for God, and yet he was 
constantly frustrated by his desires. And toward the end of his confessions, Augustine writes these beautiful words. And I, I found these words when I first read them actually quite moving as he's reflecting on his journey of, uh, of his life. He says, Late have I loved you, beauty so old and so new. Late have I loved you. And you can kind of hear this like wish of, of, that he found this earlier in his life. And see, you were within, and I was in the external world, and sought you there. And in my unlovely state, I plunged into those lovely created things which you made. You were with me, and I was not with you. It's an interesting line, too, eh, for the series that we're engaging in. You were with me, and yet I was not with you. Augustine here speaks of his longing to find God and his discovery. He speaks how all the time God was there. God was speaking and at work in his life, but it took him so long to recognize it, to realize. And here, I think, is where we see the first lesson in listening to God from the life of St. Augustine. God is at work speaking in our experience, our experience of the everyday world. We're invited to tune in and to listen. We see in his life God was at work through the prayers of his mother, through conversations with his friends, through Augustine's own experience of the world and his love for it. God was speaking, and yet Augustine took quite some time to listen. And I meet um, many people who wouldn't call themselves religious, yet they're deeply in love with God's world. Deeply in love with God's world. They love to be in the outdoors. They love to cultivate friendships. They love to enjoy a good book. They find life in all of these created goods. And yet, what Augustine discovers in his story is that ultimately these are not enough. That actually they point beyond themselves to a creator who speaks, a creator who desires relationship. If only we would see, if only these created goods would point to and be ordered properly so that we might actually see God speak to us in them. We might see God speak to us of his love through the love of our friends, through a stunning autumn sunset, through that beautiful sacrament of early morning coffee after a very early start with the kids. And so Augustine comes to this moment of crisis. And again, in the Confessions, he says this. He says, I fretted, sighed, wept, tormented myself, and took neither rest nor counsel, for I was dragging around my torn and bloody soul. It was impatient of my dragging it around, and yet I could not find a place to lay it down, not in pleasant groves, nor in sport or song, nor in fragrant bowers, nor in magnificent banquetings, nor in the pleasures of the bed or couch, not even in books or poetry did it find rest. There's the clue of a scholarly mind, eh? Not even in books and poetry. Everyone's like, okay. Um, All things looked gloomy, even the very light itself. And so Augustine comes to this crisis, and I think His story actually challenges our contemporary materialism. He captures a sense of searching for something and not quite finding it, a sense of wanting more than just the immediate pleasures of the material, a longing, really a desire for God. And Augustine will make the point in his writings that every single person has this deep desire within us to know God, to love God, to be in relationship with God. And it's this longing within Augustine that leads him to this crisis, this moment. And so we move into the second part of Augustine's story. 
Augustine's moved to Milan. He's become a professor, and uh, he meets Ambrose. And Ambrose, for Augustine, is this intellectually compelling preacher. And his sermons get something bubbling away in Augustine's life. He begins to wrestle with Christianity. And in the midst of this, Augustine has what we would call his conversion encounter. He has this intense conversation with his friend, Olypius. And it's quite heated. And Augustine finds himself in this courtyard where they've had this conversation. And he ends up crying out to God in prayer. He's so moved. And right then in that moment, he hears the voice of a child from a neighboring house chanting, pick it up, read it. Pick it up and read it. And there's a sense in which God speaks to Augustine in this moment. And every time my children are out in the backyard yelling things, I hope maybe that could be the case too. Um, But I'm not necessarily sure that's how the neighbors feel about it. Um, But Augustine hears, pick it up and read it, pick it up and read it. He picks it up and he he runs into the house, picks up the scriptures, he opens them. And he opens them at this passage that we reflected on, Romans chapter 13, which says, besides this, you know what time it is. How is now the moment for you to wake from sleep? For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. And as he hears these words, Augustine says this, I wanted to read no further, nor did I need to. For instantly as the sentence ended, there was infused in my heart something like the light of full certainty, and all the gloom of doubt vanished away. So remember, Augustine had been wrestling for a long time here, and there's this moment where God just gets the attention of Augustine, his attention of his heart and his mind. Augustine had been searching for God, and here God breaks through in a moment and reaches Augustine. God establishes relationship with Augustine in a very personal and vivid way. And reflecting on this, uh, theologian Gerald Bray, he says this, and I, I find these words really helpful. He says, personal knowledge is more immediate and more flexible than rational deduction because it can handle the paradox of knowing and not knowing at the same time. An idea is an end in itself. You either understand it or you do not. But a person is a mystery that, like God, can ultimately be known only by love. The beauty and the wonder of the Bible is that it's not a philosophical system, but a personal revelation from God. It makes sense in the way that all personal relationships do. At one level, it compels us to enter into the experience of which it speaks. But at another level, it contains mysteries whose depths we can never hope to plumb. In other words, it's just like another person, real and yet impenetrable at the same time. I find this so helpful. I really, really find that helpful when thinking about Scripture. And I think this is what Augustine experiences in this moment with Romans. He experiences this God call him into relationship. Augustine had been plumbing the depths of abstract philosophy and ideas about God. He'd seen evidence of God speaking in creation and his desire for love. But here God grabs Augustine's attention, gets a hold of him. And I think here is the second lesson that we hear from Augustine's life in terms of listening to God. That God wants to know us personally. That he wants to claim our attention, not just for the sake of imparting some kind of random knowledge about himself, 
or some sort of abstract data, but rather God wants us to commune with him, to have relationship, to experience his love and his goodness as our creator. Like we've explored earlier in the series, that Jesus invites us to have friendship with him. God speaks to us in order to draw us into relationship, and I think that that is so key here in Augustine's life. And then these words in Romans, which grab Augustine's attention, I mean, they're quite interesting ones, right? Like, quite bracing. They're a call to transformation. They're a call to change. And so we turn to this final part in Augustine's story, which will explore um, his call to mission. And when God speaks, everything changes. Here's a third lesson, I think, from Augustine's life for us. When we listen to God, we'll be challenged. We'll be called to something far bigger than ourselves. Our lives will be tipped, side, tipped, side, <laughs> tipped upside down um, and turned inside out, like my tongue, um, as we learn to follow Jesus. And so here in Romans, Paul's writing to the church in Rome, and he's urging them to wake up and to smell the coffee. He urges them to get in tune with what God has done through Jesus Christ. And this passage in Romans recognizes actually how easy it is to sleepwalk through life. Just to kind of sleepwalk, to indulge in the pleasures and trivialities which make us feel good in the moment, missing the bigger picture of what this beautiful yet broken world is all about. Missing the bigger picture of what God is inviting us into. And I had a real sense this morning as I prayed about this that actually this is the thing. Wake up. Wake up, smell the coffee, see what God has done. That's the invitation here, both in Augustine's life, but also here in Romans. Wake up. And in his encounter with this passage, the direction of Augustine's life takes this new course. He's baptized, he gives up his chair as professor, his career prospects, he returns to Africa, he's ordained as a priest. Then he's pretty much dragged, kicking and screaming, to become the bishop of Hippo. Uh, where he will remain teaching and writing and leading this community until his death. But Romans 13 describes this transformation as a putting off and a putting on. To listen to God is to wake up to what God is doing, to take off the old, put on the new. And so Paul invites the Romans to actually actively respond to what God is doing. You know, there's some um, verbs here, you know, to take off and to put on. And for Augustine, his obedience involved becoming a leader in the church in a time of crisis, when things are really difficult. And I can't overestimate the extent to which this calling has actually impacted the life of the Christian church. Augustine was this intellectual giant, this influential leader, a man who passed on the faith of Jesus to many generations. And so Augustine listens to this call of God on his life, and he steps into this challenge. I think here we learn something about what it means to listen to God too. And in fact, in his confessions, this is the very aim of Augustine. He says this, he recognizes the story isn't about him, it's about Jesus, and he says this, attend to me there and see what I was in myself and by myself. And if something in me pleases you, join me there in praising him whom I wanted to be praised on my account, not me, for he made us, we did not make him. And so Augustine invites us to see in his story the story of God at work in our everyday lives, God at work calling us into relationship, and God calling us on mission. But this call to mission can be lived out in lots of different ways. 
Um, I think being prescriptive here is not necessarily helpful at all, but I think it will involve at least two elements. And the first is this, that like Augustine, God will take us as we are, take our talents and use them to participate with him in the renewal of all things. We might be a teacher, we might be a builder, we might be a parent at home with kids, a theologian, um, whatever. Uh, we are, God will bring transformation. God will bring healing to the world through who we are and the gifts that he's given us and the places we are. And it's part of our mission and our calling as we respond. And secondly, God will use us to speak to others as we listen to him, inviting others into relationship with himself. In the same way that Ambrose was a key person in Augustine's life, or Monica, as they shared with him. We're called to witness to God's love and what he's done through Jesus. So I'm going to finish with a story uh, from my life that I hope is encouraging in this area. Uh, this story happened a few years ago. My family and I, we were living in Timaru. I was the vicar of an Anglican church down there. And um, one day I was dropping the kids off at school. And I was in a rush. I had things to do, probably a little bit stressed, all of that. And I saw this guy standing in the school courtyard, and he was dropping his uh, kids off at school. And I hadn't seen him before. And for whatever reason, he caught my attention. And then I had this loud thought, which I attributed to God, saying to me, go over and talk to that guy. Go and say hi. So I do. I go say hi. And we had an awkward conversation. Um, he didn't seem to want to chat. And you know, I was there in his face. Hello. Um, how are you? We talked for a minute, and then I said bye, and I got in the car, and I said to God, why did you ask me to do that? Like, what's that about? And in this kind of state of confusion, I carried on with my day, and I pretty much forgot about it. And then a few weeks later, I saw the same guy, this time outside the school on the street, and I heard that prompt again, go and say hi, and this time, give him your card. Okay, so I go to him, I have another awkward chat, and this time... I give him my card, and I say, I happen to be an Anglican vicar. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is always like a way to walk into like a really great conversation. Um, and, um, no, and I said, oh, if you want to chat about something, I'm always up for a coffee. Give him my card. And he looks a bit overwhelmed. Maybe it was the Anglican vicar part. And I awkwardly say bye, and I get in the car, and I pray. I don't know what that is about God, but I pray for this guy. Let's call him Greg. And nearly a year goes by, and I don't see much of um, Greg around school. When I do, I'm pretty sure he's avoiding me. He's not particularly keen to chat. Um, then out of the blue, I get this call, and it's Greg, and he wants to talk. And he comes around, and he tells me his life story, and he tells me about how he wants to have a relationship with God. He's wanting to find God. Um, we pray, and we talk, and he starts reading the Bible, and we start talking about it. And he's kind of flirting with committing to faith with coming to Jesus, but he's not quite sure. And sort of various things holding him back. And then a while goes by, and you know, after a while he goes silent on me. He drops off the radar, and we don't talk much. Right before we left Timaru to move north, I had this conversation with him. I bump into him again, and he feels like God's up to something in his life. And then we move up here at the beginning of the year, and I get a call uh, from Greg, and, and he tells me he's following Jesus, He's joined the church community, and he feels like his whole life is being transformed by God's love. Like he's excited, you know, and it's just full of this kind of this new um, love for God. 
And the reason I tell that story is that, for me, it's a really good example of what it means to listen to God and respond, even when initially we won't see fruit, even when initially we might think, you know, why? Why am I doing this? The call is simply to be faithful, to be listening to God every day, and to be partnering with him, and kind of leave the details with God. And so the story of St. Augustine just inspires me because it's a story of God at work, speaking every day, a story of a man desperately searching for God and God finding him, a story of a man who hears the call of God to partner with him in mission, to bring hope and light in a world full of darkness and in need of renewal. I think like Augustine, so many people in our city are longing for more than what they experience. So many people have a desire for deeper love and meaning in their life. What if God is calling us here at St. Augustine's to show that there's more going on than we ever imagined? That actually God's calling us into relationship with him, calling us to be part of a mission in which he's healing this beautiful but broken world. So like Augustine, may we here be people who listen to God, to listen to God's voice uh, in the world around us. May we be people who are transformed by God's voice, people who wake up to what God has done and is doing. And may we be people who speak into the lives of the people around us, bringing renewal and hope.